podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. With Spurs in complete control at Wembley on Wednesday night, 15 second half minutes saw us gift West Ham their cup final win, along with saving Slaven Bilic's job in the process. As we have the last word on Spurs in our stoppage time special. Hello guys, welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. As you should know by now, you can follow us across a range of different social media platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. Guys, as also you should know by now, you should be able to hear the show across a variety of different platforms. And they include Audio Boom, iTunes, Acast and Podbean. On tonight's last word on Spurs, we'll be reflecting upon the defeat to West Ham in the League Cup. We'll be taking your questions for our panel, as always, and previewing a huge game to come in the Premier League against Manchester United Saturday lunchtime. So, providing the therapy tonight, we've got Jason McGovern back with us on the show. Jason, how are you? Bit down, mate. But uh, I've looked at the draw today and, and the Norwich against Tottenham tie that I predicted is, is, doesn't seem to have come out of the hat yet, so... <laughs> Not sure what's happened there. What do you reckon, Jay? Should we wait another half hour and see if it comes out? Yeah, it must be. The draw looks a bit fixed that I've seen so far, so perhaps Norwich Spurs is, is coming out after all. Yeah, I hope you're right, Jace. I hope you're right. Uh, joining Jason tonight, we've got John Mannings back on the show. John, how are you? I'm all good, mate. I'm over it. I'm over it. It's all good. God. Okay, looking forward to your thoughts, John, in this next hour. Really pleased to have you back on the show. And finally, last, but certainly not least, we've got a debutant joining us tonight. We've got Sam Miller on the line. Sam, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yes, very well indeed. And Sam is a football reporter. She's actually played for both West Ham ladies and Spurs ladies. So interesting to get her thoughts on, to, on the game from last night. So... Where do we start then? That defeat to West Ham in the League Cup. Jason, I'm going to come over to you first, but I have to say firstly from my perspective, not taking anything away from our run recently in both the Premier League or the Champions League, um, I can't and I won't legislate for that collapse on Wednesday night and especially the second half performance and the lack of attitude. I mean, Jace, give us your thoughts on the game and let's see where we go with this. Well, it was, it was two separate games, wasn't it? In fairness, you know, in the in the the build-up, I said I think it would be a comfortable win, and at half-time, that's exactly what what it looked like. We hadn't hadn't played particularly well, but we hadn't needed to play particularly well, and they'd offered nothing, and, a, and you just couldn't see that second half collapse coming. And and in, in a strange way, even when they got the first one, I thought, well, you know, it's one goal, but they haven't got much in this game and <laughs> five minutes later they're level and you thought, oh well, that's livening the game up. But I still expected us to go on and win it even at 2-2 and um, <laughs> when it became 3-2 and we started to take Lorenzi off and then we took Son off and you start to think, do we even want to go to extra time here? This, this, <laughs> it just looked completely strange and then the, the chaos of the game ended up with that magnificent run from Nkudu where he ran straight across the pitch at 90 degrees and ran straight off the side of the pitch. And you thought that that just about sums the second half up. So, you know, it was a, a really strange one. And um, hopefully those players have a, have a good look at themselves because, it, it, you know, it just wasn't good enough the second half. And West Ham definitely seemed to want it more. Yeah. Coming over to you, John. 
this is a question from Mark Butcher. I want to get your thoughts on the game as well, John. But he says, why did we allow West Ham back into the game? Was Potts too arrogant for the competition? Should we have had Kane on the bench? A terrible night overall. That was from Mark Butcher. John, what's your thoughts on that? I think the obvious thing to say is just complacency from the players. You know, if we, us, you know, all the fans thought that we'd done enough by by the 45th minute. And, you know, the players probably probably did as well. And you think, you've got to think, you know, as much as it's not, it's not, uh, the most professional thing to do or, or say from from my point of view. If you're playing Man United and Real Madrid next two, you turn it up at half time against West Ham, you can sort of understand why that sort of mindset might have set in. Obviously, we don't know what Poch has said at half time, but for me, this is I'm not, I'm you know I'm not into bashing the players and the manager in the club. I think it's just one of them things. Fair play to West Ham. They you know they've they've beaten us. It's, it's horrible. I don't like losing to anyone. I especially don't like losing to them. But it's happened and we move on. John, very quickly on that. Do you think, this is a question from GW at Getting Worse. Interesting take handle. He says, are people upset because we lost to West Ham? Or are they upset because we missed the opportunity to get to a quarter-final? Or a cup that we really don't care about? John, what's your thoughts on that very quickly? It's The, the feelings of disappointment are tenfold because it's West Ham. Hmm. I, said, I said to you guys this morning that... If it, you know, it feels 100% worse because it's them. Like, not that, like being 2 0 up at half time and losing 3 2 to anyone is gut wrenching. It's horrible, mm. obviously. But being, you know, one of the, them being one of the three teams who we dislike the most, if, it had to, if it's got to be one of them three teams, it's going to make it feel worse. You know what I mean? We've all, we've all spoken before about, and we laugh about it now, don't we? When we were 3 0 up against Man City in the FA Cup all them years ago and we lost 4 3. I don't think we'll ever laugh about this one. Because it's West Ham, but if, if you know, for me, it, that's what just makes it work. That that made it worse, but like I say, it's, I, I just put it down to put it down to a bit of complacency, and we'll see what has been Potty's problem in from the start, which is, in my opinion, got better. Is that generally he's vilified in his team selections following a weakened one. What I mean by that is we had in his first season, we went away to Fiorentina needing a result three days before the League Cup final and lost both games. But since then, I can't remember it happening where we've needed a result. You've got a big one coming up and then you don't get a result in the second game. So we'll see. By by a Saturday afternoon, I've just got I've got a feeling that we're all going to be happy and in love with him again. Honestly, I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't question, I say, the love for the bloke. He's been fans, you know, phenomenal since he's taken over at Tottenham where he's taken us to. But Sam, coming over to you. Give us your thoughts on the game. And very quickly, I mean, the question comes in here from Charles at Chaz Littleford, who says, will it be in West Ham's Cup final? They were always going to go for it in the second half. So, can you understand why, from our perspective, we just switched off like the way we did? Um, firstly, you look at the fixture and West Ham made nine changes. And as soon as everyone saw that, they thought mm. it would be a, com a comfortable win for Spurs. And as we saw, it wasn't. Um, West Ham really were actually under pressure, you know, especially Slav and Bilic with the results that haven't gone their way. You know, the, the loss to Brighton and mm -hmm. Spurs, Spurs were the team with momentum and everyone thought they were they were going to win it. And on the day, they, they didn't get out of third gear, really. They were, they were cruising along. And once they scored the two goals, as you said earlier, they got complacent. Um, they seemed to be happy with the two. And then as soon as Ayu uh, got one back, you know, it was uh, West Ham with the momentum and they really pushed for it. And by the time they got the third goal, it was just too late. Um, I mean, Tottenham did come close to a third, but it just wasn't happening for them, was it? 
No, it wasn't a real, real shame. I mean, Sam, you said earlier about West Ham's team selection. Just looking at Spurs' for a second. Danny Rose made his first start for nine months for Spurs. We had the likes of Vaughan Foyth, Davis, Dias, Asoka and Lorente all being given starts. I mean, you look at the bench, and to be fair to Potts, you know what I mean? There's plenty of creativity on there. The likes of Dembele, Eriksen, Winks and Nkudu. Kane rested ahead of Manchester United. And we've got a question about that, about Harry Kane. Was it the right decision? Sam, to rest him for this game. Bearing in mind his record against West Ham is absolutely brilliant, you've got to say. Um, well, Pochettino's come out and he said, you know, he's answered Pep Guardiola back and said Tottenham aren't a one-man team. And to be fair to them, they do, they can play extremely well without Harry Kane. Um, but the thing about Harry Kane that um, I've really started to notice for a long time now, it's not just goals he brings. He He's, um, he's a complete player he holds the ball up well he brings players in you look at his attributes and you think he's more than just a goal scorer so actually you know he makes a huge difference mm. but I can understand Pochettino thinking you know I've got the strength and depth in this squad that actually we can rest Harry for the Man United game um, because Pochettino has faith in the other players and I have to say Son actually played really well and the way he brought Suzoko into the game for the first goal was was extremely pleasing for Spurs fans. But um, I think uh, Pochettino made the right decision uh, to rest Kane. But I think the players needed to be more geared up for the game and just uh, not to have got so complacent. No, I completely agree with you, Sam. Absolutely bang on the money. Just on that, I don't think we miss Kane uh, as such. You know, as, as a team, you have to say, we'd won eight and drawn three of the previous 11 that Kane had missed. We scored twice last night. It wasn't a problem. We were 2-0 up at half-time with 10 full internationals on the pitch. So, you know, of course you're going to miss Kane when he's not there, but nobody can use that as an excuse. And, and that team last night was still good enough to get a result against West Ham to, to knock them out of the cup. And it showed it at half-time because we strolled through that first half. So I, I don't think you can just say if Harry Kane had been there last night, it wouldn't have happened, that's for sure. No, I agree. Like I said, that was question coming in that's from James Charlton who says will this defeat have a detrimental effect on the wider team to show we don't have a Harry Kane back up Jace very quickly on that is that have you answered that question do you feel well we got we got no person that, that can replicate what Kane does but there's, there's enough in that side as I say eight wins and three draws from the 11 that we've played without Kane would suggest you know we have found ways around the problem before so no I, I don't think you could I don't think it'll have a detrimental effect and you have to you have to find ways to win without players nobody's gonna nobody's gonna play what 60 games in a season so you know you've got a squad there and you have to use it and the other important thing is that you know if, if you play Kane in every single game and play one way and and he does get injured you'll be bringing in a player that hasn't kicked a ball for four months and you, you can't be doing that as a squad. So, And then that player comes in, he's got no motivation, he's got no confidence because he's not playing. So you, you have got to rotate at times whether whether people like it or not. Yeah. Jace, very quickly, another question coming from Cameron Yarder Jr. who says, why are the team seemingly incapable of getting over the line in significant cup competitions? What needs to change? And Jace, you know, I think that's a very fair question because for whatever reason, we are struggling in the, in the cups, the League Cup, FA Cup. I know we've had Chelsea in the last couple of years in the FA Cup, so maybe you excuse that. But the League Cup, Jace, it is, as a Tottenham fan, you have to say, probably our most winnable competition. Can you understand why we struggle in it? Well, I, I can because it comes down from the top, doesn't it? When we've seen it in both the in both the ties, when the comments come in from the very top, 
and, and we saw it again on on Tuesday, didn't we? With Pochettino saying you're not defined by by winning League Cup game or no, you know no. by winning the League Cup or the FA Cup or whatever. So as, as you're sitting in the dressing room beforehand. You've kind of been told, you know what? It doesn't really. Matter. If we win it, we do. If we don't, we don't. And I see Toby's comment today, where where he said it's not a disaster to be knocked out. And there's, you know, there's somebody that's so switched on every game, but he lost his man for the third goal, didn't he? Is that right, Jase? That's the type of thing. To, I, I, I yeah, you, Jace. Is that right that we should have that mentality, thinking? No, it, no it's not that, important for me. It's a cup that we need to, you know. As Tottenham fans, we haven't won anything for nine years, so I'm, I've got to be honest from my perspective and say that when I'm seeing certain messages out there saying I'm not too sure if I want this game to go extra, extra time, I couldn't care less that we've got to play extra time and penalties to go through. I want to see Spurs compete, win trophies. I mean, I know, listen, a, a League Cup is not going to keep Deli Alley at Tottenham. We know Champions League is what ultimately these players want to play. But at the end of the day, Jace, everyone, if everyone keeps saying to us, well, what are Spurs achieving? They haven't won a trophy. Well, at the end of the day, this is a trophy. So surely, Jace, from that perspective, it is an important competition to go for. No, I, I, I fully agree with that. What I'm saying is why the players are having struggled to get across the line is if the message from the top is coming that it mm. doesn't matter, mm. they're obviously not going to be as, as focused on it as they would be if it's a, a Premier League game. And, and that's part of the problem. But, you know, even in terms of their complacency, fans have to also, you know, we, every single person was complacent last night. Supporters, you know, we, we constantly mimic West Ham that it's their cup final, but how many times have they beaten us lately? And, you know, we dismiss West Ham just out of complacency, don't we? We had 80,000 for Liverpool. We'll have 90,000 for Real Madrid. Was it 36,000 last night? So even the supporters, they're angry at the complacency we show. But mm. the supporters show that same complacency sometimes to, to a game against West Ham or a Carling Cup or Carabao Cup, whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, the attitude through the whole club towards the cup competition is wrong. And, and fans will say, we demand a trophy, we demand a trophy. But even those that demand it, if you said to them yesterday, would you rest Kane? Yes, you would do. Well, isn't that a risk to be knocked out? No, don't worry, he needs a rest. And we should leave him out and we should leave him out. So, you know, even the fans that want it are still complacent towards the competition. No, I can't disagree with what you're saying there, Jace. You're, you're bang on there. Listen, you are bang on. Um, John, I want to bring it round to you then. Let's talk about the game itself, as painful as it's going to be. Um, not the first half, because we played pretty well first half, got to say. Beautiful link-up played John for the opener with Danny Rose returning, who fed a lovely ball into Lorente. Exquisite touch into Son, who found Sissoko with a calm and composed finish. John, on the base of the first half, that was a good bit of football from Tottenham, wasn't it? That first half? Yeah, it was. It was enjoyable to watch. It was, you know, there weren't any point really during the first half where thought they might score or it was you know stressful to watch it wasn't I think you know we did play well it was uh, as much as like everyone seemed to have picked well Sam said it earlier you know what I mean we didn't really get into top gear at all but we did, it didn't need to and I think maybe that if it was a bit more trying and you know, a bit more testing rather in the first half the second half collapse might not have happened in a sort of backwards kind of way it's almost like West Ham lulled us into a full sense of security and went like we're going to start playing now very true. But, yeah, yeah no, it, listen, that, that goal was lovely. I think it was a, a very, very good finish by Sissoko and the build-up play was lovely. Yeah. Same with um, the, the little intricate play between between Ali and, uh, I think, was it Son as well for the second goal? I think, that although it got took a, a deflection, which ultimately done Adrian, I think it was... Uh, so we played some nice football without really trying, it felt. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean... uh, the, one, the one player, I must admit, the one player that worried me pretty much for all of it last night was Eric Dyer. And I don't mm. like digging players out, but he seems to think that he's, I don't know, I think he's one player that seems to have got a bit 
he seems like he's playing like he's too big for his boots lately. Really? Is that how you feel, John? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really feel that his performances all season have been below par. Okay. And I think last night in the second in the second half when we needed someone to show a bit of bit of guts and a bit of balls in the middle, he he, he just weren't he didn't show and I, I was disappointed with Eric Dyer more so than I've been disappointed with a player for a long time, I think. That's interesting. And you know, and you know that's yeah. not me, Rick. I don't no, know, no. I don't Listen, know I know you're very. Yeah, like no, I know you're really. But I know the great thing about you, John, is that your honesty. Do you know what I mean, if you see something, you're always pointing it out. I mean, I've got to be honest with you. With Dyer, John, I haven't seen that, but it's interesting you say it because I have seen other people as well around social media that also last night they said Dyer. They're a little bit concerned. He maybe this year's Kevin Vimmer in terms of that. You know, maybe mm. he might not be on his game. I mean, John, do you think very quickly just sticking with that? Do you think his mind may have been elsewhere? I don't. I know it's well. Speculation I mean, out there, but yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, we've all seen the excerpts from this new book by Guillaume Balagay about mm. um, inside Pochettino Spurs and about our pot chatter pull him about chatting with Jose Mourinho in Portuguese. Uh, I think it was at Old Trafford last season, wasn't it? And I think that, mate, you know, what I mean, there were rumours in the summer, and we seen that Instagram video, didn't we, where Kyle Walker said, you know, where he was called a snake, tongue in cheek by one of our players, and he said, well, it was all right when you wanted to go to Man United. Yeah, maybe yeah. there's a little bit of a sulk in there with Dyer. I think what it, what it is, and you can't, you can't. Yeah, it's a difficult one. He seems to think that he's turned into Jabby Alonso. <laughs> I've you seen that I mean? as well. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people saying that. It, yeah, yeah. But 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 I, I use that as a direct comparison because the way that he plays, he's calm. He don't get flustered, and he can dictate a game. Eric Dyer's not that player yet, and it it's it smells of Bentaleb second season to me. What Dyer's doing at the minute, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was the first one. Of, of our big stars to, to leave the club. Mm. And I'm not basing, I'm, I'm ba I know I'm basing this purely on the 13, 14 games I've seen this season. And he, you know, he's played the majority of them. But I just, I, I don't know, I think there may be something going on there. Okay. Well, I mean, let's, personally, let's hope not. He's a fabulous player for Spurs. And when he's on top form, there's no doubt he's one of the best members in our squad. Sam, coming over to you. Interesting thoughts there from John about Eric Dyer. What, what did you make of his game last night and in general this season so far for him? Would you go along with that? Um, I just personally think he's been overshadowed because there's players last season that people were talking about not pulling their weight and, you know, the likes of Suzoko because of his price tag. And now what we're seeing is, um, I wouldn't say Eric Dyer's um, playing bad, but there's players that are now playing better than him that people wouldn't have expected. So I think, you know, Suzoko is now enjoying his football. And yeah. with someone like Suzoko, he's a confidence player and will play well when he sees that the manager's got faith in him. And especially now he's playing down the middle and he's more comfortable, he's more confident. We're seeing a different side to him. And I think, yeah, I think Eric Dyer's just kind of being... Um, blown out a bit because players are now playing better than him um and i think i think uh that's that's my uh, view on it i don't think he's necessarily um playing bad or anything like that i just think that he's getting overlooked now that other players are you know reaching their potential yeah i mean it wasn't far too long ago sam we were talking about delhi alley and how his game wasn't going the greatest way but I mean last night it's uh, two guys in two games now for Delhi slightly playing a more deeper midfield role seems to be enjoying it a bit more in there what have you made of of his contribution recently Sam are we seeing a slight uplift in his form I think what we often see with Delhi Ali he doesn't always start the season well and then he starts to come into his own and he starts to play well and once he does everyone forgets about the beginning of the season where um you know he wasn't on it as much as um, he grows into the game. And I think with Deli Ali, he's very versatile and 
you know, with the attributes he brings, I think he can play anywhere. And I think, um, you know, people have said it's great if he can play that role where he comes in deeper to collect the ball because it won't only be uh, really beneficial to Spurs, but also to the uh, England national team. Um, I think Deli Ali, you know, number 10 gives you the freedom and it's a very creative role. And, you know, we always see how um, how much flair Deli Ali has and how creative he can be. But I think I think you could play him either or. And um, Pochettino looks for those versatile players. You know, we see it with Eric Dyer. He can slot into centre-back. He can play full-back. He can play um, in a central midfield role. So I think it just adds another dimension to, to Deli Ali's game. And I think, um, yeah, what we saw against Liverpool was uh, when Deli Ali came deep to collect the ball, he was also putting tackles in, winning the ball, and he's very calm on the ball. Um, you know, he's he's not making people in <laughs> in his own half. So uh, yeah, no, he's a spectacular player to watch, and I think um, as people always say, they forget they forget how young he is. But yeah. um, I personally, I've always I've always been a fan of Deli Ali. I think he's a brilliant player in whatever role yeah, he's in. I agree. And the fingers crossed, Sam, he's here for a long, long time to come. He's only four Premier League players to have scored those 20 goals in all competitions in 2017. He's now alongside our own Harry Kane, Sergio Aguero and Romelu Lukaku. So that tells you Deli Ali in terms of his goal ratio, it's not bad at all. Jace, coming back around to you, Huminson, the weight on both of those assists for the goals last night. You've got to say, Jace, he was one of the, um, the few positives to come out of the game against West Ham. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Sonny had a, a good first half. Um, plenty of little flicks and tricks from him as well. Some came off, some didn't. But you you need that little bit of invention. Uh, but the second half, his his performance just just towed away as well. In fairness, the whole teams did. And yeah, he, he got we had those two wonderful assists in the first half, and then the second half when he's running along, he just completely fell over his own feet, and and, and that actually led to the little spark rule that that Noble was involved in and, and perhaps much like the Lorenzi one at the Olympics day or the council tip as I like to call it <laughs> you know the uh, the Noble one kind of maybe that was the thing that just sparked them into life maybe you know they needed that little spat to happen and from that moment on they seen you know within a couple of minutes of that they they were you know they scored their goals so it was just a like everybody Rick I thought it was a, a 45 minute good performance and a 45 minute bad performance yeah well, Jace, very quickly, what did you make of uh, Yuan Foyth's first half performance? Because he looked all right back there. He had one little slip early on. But, I mean, he grew in confidence throughout the game. And you could see he's definitely been watching the likes of Alderweireld and Vertonghen because he looked, first half, really self-assured in there. I thought over, if I look at the 90 minutes for Foyth, I didn't think he did too badly. I mean, obviously, he was badly at fault for that second goal. But you're talking about, what is he, 19 years old? And it's his second game in English football. And centre-halves will make mistakes. They will do. And they have to learn from them. But... For the rest of the game, and he looked quite calm. He looks assured on the ball, and you know, I think once he once he gets a dozen so games under his belt, he looks as though he could be a, a, a more than useful defender. I thought in the first half he handled Andy Carroll really well. As, as the game wore on, Carroll used his strength against him a couple of times, but you know, in fitness, that's Andy Carroll. He can he can use his strength against seasoned pros. So um, I thought overall, other than the the switch off for the, I think that was the equalising goal, wasn't it? When he, he got caught in kind of no man's land. Other than that, I thought he did okay over the 90 minutes. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. John, would you go alongside that in terms of Yuan uh, Foyth's performance? Yeah, I thought he looked good. He, he does, he looks, you know, composed on the ball. He looks pretty assured. I think he needs to beef up a little bit to, you know, if he's to start starting games regularly. But yeah, no, from what I've seen of him so far, I think he's been a, he's been a really good uh, addition. 
to the squad and obviously there's one eye on the future with him. You know, maybe in in three, four years' time, we'll be talking about a central de uh, defensive partnership of Davinson Sanchez and Juan Foyth emulating yeah. Jan Bertongan and Toby Alderweireld. You wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. You know what I mean? We've seen with Sanchez, he's uh, he's been one of the signings of the of the summer, into, like throughout the league, in my opinion, from what he's done and you know the way he's allowed us to play. And I think Foyth's got the potential to be that that effective and that good as well, for sure. Sam, I'm going to come over to you. So, going into that half-time, and I think, like you said earlier, in complete control of the game. I mean, we didn't really, I think, as you also said, Sam, get out of third gear. So, can you understand, then, the way we turn up for that second-half performance? Um, because I'm still racking my brains as to how we just dipped off like that. Did we allow West Ham back into the game in terms of, you know, our lack of momentum? Did the first goal, you know, was it avoidable from our perspective? What do you think? from there and to get back into it? I think the problem was that Spurs lacked um, ruthlessness. I think you look at how they played against Liverpool. They got the quick two goals and then got a third one before half-time and they kept going and, ke and, and really kept scoring yeah. uh, to get the fourth goal. And I think against West Ham, they were happy with two and they didn't push enough to get the third um, and I think that was dictated by the tempo of the game um, you know they really needed to step it up and they did that too late they did it uh, I'd say near you know approaching 90 minutes and it just wasn't enough time for them to to get an equaliser so I, I think it was more that West Ham came out um, hungrier for it and you know, credit to West Ham, I have to say, you know, they once they got the two goals, um, they defended really well to stop Tottenham um, from getting back in the game at all. And then they pushed for the third. And, you know, it was kind of sloppy, really, to concede from set pieces. Yeah. And I think once the first goal went in, uh, Tottenham panicked. And, um, yeah, really disappointing um, from Tottenham's perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating, Sam, like you said. I mean, the way we kind of sat back on the two-goal lead, thinking that was going to be enough, and especially at 2-1, the lack of, like you said there, the ruthlessness to go and try and grab the third, it was almost like we were trying to protect what we had, which, you know, is always dangerous in football. And we've seen at Wembley, you know, as much as we are now really converting our performances there recently, apart from the West Ham game, we have shown a confidence in plan there. We've shown it against Liverpool. Uh, we've shown it against Dortmund. There's no reason now why we can't get the goals that we've shown. Jace, I want to bring it back round to you then. So, is Yuan Foyf at fault for the equaliser? Don't want to nitpick at players and, you know, start digging them out, but it's just the facts, unfortunately. Do you think he could have done better? Yeah, I mean, as I say, he got caught in uh, a little bit in no man's land and let somebody run, run in and behind him. So, but like I say, 19-year-olds will make mistakes mm. and, um, you know, centre-half is one of those positions where if you make one there, it, it invariably costs you a, a chance and usually ends up in the back of the net. But, um, you know, was his mistake there any worse than Toby's one to to allow, the to what's his name, Ogbonna to get a free yeah. header for the third goal? Yeah. You know, was was Foy's mistake any worse than the fact for the first goal in? Uh, ben Davis has taken a bit of flack for being late out. But, I mean, if in fairness, it's an in-swinging corner. He's headed it away from goal and lands and loses his balance and that's why he's late out but the problem is that when it goes to the edge of the box there's a bloke there with not a white shirt anywhere near him who's got who's got a free shot you know you usually have somebody on the edge of the box to pick up the the clearance so I, I, I didn't blame Davis so much for the first goal I thought it was just poor organisation for the first goal the second goal was down to the fourth and the third goal 
you know, Toby loses his man. But um, and we didn't defend set pieces well in fairness. All evening we looked a little bit shaky. And, and I don't know, maybe that's the psychological impact that, that having someone like Andy Carroll, that you're, you're constantly thinking when they've got a corner, they'll be looking for Andy Carroll. And, and perhaps you, you concentrate too much on Andy Carroll than, than on everything else that's going on. Yeah, Jace, very quickly, what about the substitutions or the timing of them? I mean, I saw many fans on social media saying they should have come a lot earlier. And there was questions about maybe taking why we took Lorente off. I mean, don't get me wrong, first half, I thought he linked up very, very well with play. There were shades of Berbatov in terms of his touches. But second half, Jace, let's be honest, like we've said about the whole team, no one really turned up. But can you understand taking off our only recognised striker? No, it seemed a strange thing to do. But, I mean, in fairness, other than the... Other than the, the setup for um, Sissoko's goal, he hadn't he hadn't actually done a lot. I mean, it, it's not like he was he had two or three chances and looked like scoring all evening. So perhaps he thought, okay, I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> trying to think who came on for Lorenzo. Was that Dembele who came on for Lorenzo? Yeah, that's right. Dembele came on for him. Yeah. So you know, perhaps you know that was a recognition that we'd perhaps lost the midfield battle and he wanted to strengthen it in there. Perhaps you could have taken Son off at that stage instead of Lorenzo and, and left Lorenzo on, but. And of course, what we don't know is, is, is if Kane is uh, is a doubt for Saturday's well, game. Whether he thought I'll give Lorenti 60, 65 minutes, and then I better better hold him back for Saturday just in case I need him there. So we don't know that. But it it, it obviously looks funny when you're then chasing a game to be taking the 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 striker and the second striker off, and, and it left Deli Ali on his own. And Deli Ali had had a good first half with his passing range. I mean, you know, we'd stop then the passing route into him by putting him further forward. So, no, the subs were a, a bit of a, a mishmash and perhaps that summed up the, the whole, it just sold up the whole evening. Yeah. John, come around to you. The timing of them, John, can you work it out? Should they have come a lot earlier? Because that's the only thing I was clamouring for. You know, if you're going to make the subs, I don't just question the substitutions he made were right in terms of personnel, but the timing of them, John, didn't really give us much time to get back into the game. No, it didn't. But I also think that, you know, it, it's it's a clear indication of how important or unimportant, <clears throat> excuse me, Pochettino felt that the, the result was last night. Like Jay said, I, I, as much as you'd think, right, we need to leave the centre forward up. If he, if Lorente gets crocked with five minutes to go and Kane doesn't make Saturday, you're going into Man United away without a striker. you got you got to be, as much as you're, you know, it's an emotional game football, but you've got to be rational enough to be, you know, make decisions like that with, you know, the future in mind. And I think if, you, if, if that had happened, say this, say that happens and we end up with no strikers on Saturday and we get and, and we don't win, but we did win against West Ham. I don't know whether that would cushion the blow for some fans because maybe you'd expect more to beat West Ham at home than you would to beat Man U away. But, yeah, I just think it was, the substitutions were, yeah, they were late. They were late, but you've got to apply a bit of common sense to the situation. I think he took he took Lorente off to protect him for the weekend, and like I said, I, I, as much as it's horrible to be tuning up and lose three two, it's happened now, and I, I just I, I'm over it. Like I say, I'm over it. I've supported Spurs for long enough. You know this this kind of disappointment. I you know if 15 20 years ago, I don't want to keep arcing back to how shit we were. No, no, but but, but you yeah. but you was able to take it in your stride because it was normal. The fact is. And the reason why I love Pochettino is because he's made defeats like this so rare that we struggle to cope with them now. I love the bloke. Thanks to him, I'm going to see us play Real Madrid at home next week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I can't... I think maybe... Yeah, 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 exactly. I think, you know, always... You're always going to get the the trophy thing thrown at him. But 
you know, you see how, how many years it took Alex Ferguson to win his first part at Man United and what he went on to do. I think we're we're too quick to judge in the world of football nowadays. Spurs fans are about as fickle as they come, which doesn't help. <laughs> we are, we are indeed. And, and the trouble is, unless you unless you've got some sugar daddy that's going to come in and throw billions at it, like has happened at Chelsea, like has happened at Man City, that you know, if your the process is a bit more natural, it's going to take more time. It's a, it's just a fact. And I would, you know, I love the position we're in now as a club. And like I say, it's a one-off, it's a blip, and we'll see. We're still, you know what I mean, we're, we're third in the league, joint second. We're doing well in the Champions League, we're flying in that, you know what I mean? We could, we could be, by this time next week, we could be through our group, I think, in the Champions League, if, if we manage to win. And you think, you know, th- there ain't been many times, well, any times really, since I was born, and I'm 32, where there's been like a, a sustained period of, where it's been so good to watch yeah. Tottenham. And yeah, I, I refuse true. to let one result cloud my judgment in that. No, and I think that, and that's why, you know what I mean? Call me happy clapper, call me whatever. But you know what happens, Rick? Hmm. You don't you don't pick a team, you pick, your team picks you from when you're born. Before, oh, I, yeah. before I was at the womb, I was a Spurs fan. It was, <laughs> it was fate. I had no choice in the matter. No, same here. So same what here, happens John. then is you end up signing a lifetime contract with this club, with any club. <laughs> And that's what you can't win every single game, can you? No, you can't. And no. the thing is, right, results like this will make a positive result on Saturday feel all that more better, and I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Oh, I hope you're right, John. I hope you're right. Chase, just want to come around you just to finish up on the West Ham game. What did you make of that incident at the moment that is going around on social media? I thought we can't get away from it. Just very quickly, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we complain of the abuse, and rightly so, that we suffer from, from West Ham fans, but the action of one of our own last night let the club down badly and it brought shame on all of us as he filmed himself. I think probably most have seen the video, but urinating into an open cup and throwing it over the heads of our own fans into the West Ham fans. It was a despicable, vile, vulgar thing to do. It's certainly not funny in any way. And I think, you know, we, we all hope that the club will give him a, a ban for years, if not the rest of his life. And he gets a, a prosecution from the police because we certainly don't want idiots like that in amongst our fan base. Right, we're going to fit in a couple of more questions, guys, before we look ahead to Manchester United Saturday lunchtime. Sam, this question's in from Alex Reddick, who says, why does Poch continue to persist within Kudu? He is no better than a League Two standard. Plus, have you noticed Ericsson can't seem to beat his first man? It's an interesting one, Sam. Is that a bit overcritical? What's your thoughts on that one? <laughs> I have to say, I completely disagree with both those points. Um, I think Ericsson has actually been, you know, other than Harry Kane, obviously, one of the most influential players in the team. And oh, I don't think, I don't think people uh, value him as much as they should because if you look at the stats and everything, it, everything goes through Ericsson. Um, you know, he's a creator of most of the goals of. You know, he really does much more than than people uh, think. Um, in regards to Nakudu, I actually think he's not given enough chances because yeah. when I've seen when I've seen him come on, you know, in cup games, for example, I think, wow, he's got so much potential. The excitement I see um, with him running at players, uh, he's got no fear, and he looks like he's enjoying himself when he's doing it. You can see, he's quite harsh um, with himself. You know, when he makes a mistake, he drops his head a bit. But I think if he got if he gets the right opportunities and he gets more uh, game time, I actually think he could be a, a real asset to the team. And I just don't think. I mean, he he has struggled with injuries. Um, let's not forget that he's probably 
Um, one we have seen him play, he's probably not at his, not at his best. He's probably not always been 100% fit. But um, I, I actually think there's a lot more to come from him. And um, yeah, so let's watch this space. Yeah, I agree, Sam. Lovely response to that question. Let, let's be round to you then, Jace. We've got another question here, an interesting one. This is from Poltak RMS, who says, Why are fans so fickle? Worshipping Poch after a win, but cursing him after a loss. It's only my third season as a fan, but I'm a believer. God, Jace, where's he been for the other 30, 40? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just a modern way, Rick. We're in mm. that era, as, as we alluded to the other night. You... you um... You know, players are either brilliant or they're complete and utter SH, aren't they? In the space of, in the space of one game to the next Yeah. Game. You know, we, 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 you know, we're sitting there full of pride in Madrid and praising the performances of, of so many players. And then, you know, and if we lose on Saturday, we'll be ripping everything to pieces. And, oh, this one's not good enough and that one's not good enough. You know, like in any walks of life, that every single person has a bad day at, at work sometimes. And um, it was one of those last night. It's not an excuse. I, I don't mean it to be an excuse, but um, things like that happen. But, you know, I'm sitting here and I think I'm 50 years old and I've seen us knocked out the League Cup, what, 46 times. <laughs> so, um, you know, <laughs> I'm more used to it. handling it. And that's why that's why perhaps I'm not so fickle as, as some of the others. You kind of get used to it sometimes. You do indeed. John, I've been saving this question, especially for you. You'll like it, I think, when I read it out. Well, I don't you want to like it. I wanna, I'm going to like your response. This is from mean underscore Judy at Judy Bella, who says... Looking for a new manager is a good start. Winning the league is impossible. With Man City, Man United and Chelsea spending big money and at least winning cups. John, the floor's yours. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, John, give us a response. Can you believe that? Right. You've seen Back to the Future, right? I have we got a, What I need to do is sort the flux capacitator out for this person, switch it up to 88 miles an hour and fast forward from when AVB was the manager to today, mm. when Pochettino's manager, because that's ridiculous. Oh, Judy. Judy, Judy, that's... Judy. I don't know what to say. Jace. Judy, Judy, uh, lay off the sauce, sweetheart. Oh. Right, do us all a favour. Jace, Jace, Jace. <laughs> you want to come in here and say a few words? Yeah, maybe he's got a point. Perhaps we should bring back one day Ramos because he won a trophy and that was wonderful, wasn't it? Or, or Christian Gross, I think, won five or six trophies in Switzerland. So, you know, perhaps, perhaps we should have him back. And then instead of enjoying a trip to the Bernabeu, we can be enjoying a trip to St Andrews in, you know, in League One or something. So uh, what a crazy notion. we got a brilliant manager. He's a brilliant coach. He man manages the side perfectly and you know Jose Mourinho loses the odd game Pep Guardiola loses games you know Pep Guardiola hasn't won anything over here yet has he so it's just ridiculous how somebody can sit there and be suggesting we change our manager because we've lost to West Ham in a in a Carabao Cup and um, I'd sooner lose the supporters that that come out with a view like that than lose the manager that's for sure. I'm hoping Judy's been on the wine and she'll uh, send us in a nice little comment next week giving us a bit more of a positive question but thank you judy as always we always ask you guys to get involved as you know i'm sorry if we can't read all your questions out every single week but as always you can send us over your question you can do that on twitter you can do that on facebook and instagram so guys as always the show is about you we want you to get involved as always if you like what you hear on the podcast we'll be grateful for a review on itunes we can't thank you enough as always for all your positive feedback on twitter honestly guys it is so appreciated by each and every one of us that come onto the podcast so, enough questions for now. Let's talk about Man United on Saturday. Let's go round to you, John, 
because we're going into this game with Harry Kane potentially a doubt. Is the game itself, John, going to determine who is Manchester City's closest challenges for the title? What do you think? Well, I think in the short term it does, obviously, to keep pace with them uh, is, is something that we need to need to be looking at. But I think it would just, you know, send send a message, wouldn't it? I think that's what a result potentially at Old Trafford does, especially, you know, especially where we are in the league, being joint on points with them. I think if we was to go up to their patch, get a result, you know, get a win, even if we even if we come back with a draw, you know, what I mean, we don't we, we can't lose our position in the league, win, lose or draw this weekend anyway. So. But, yeah, I think if we go there and, and we, we draw or we win, obviously nothing's decided in, in October. But, yeah, it would be a huge, you know, psychological boost, really, to everyone involved with the club because it's probably, the historically, the, probably the most difficult ground for, for most teams to go to in the Premier League, where it certainly has been between 92 and 2013 when Fergie was there mm, yeah. in the Premier League era. So, I think, you know, it's always one of those trips you make with, trepidation as a fan and not much hope really but it's, it just feels different now I really don't fear going there and I think especially you know you look at our league run well let me let me let me just take out last night because yeah. this for me it was it you know the team selection shows it weren't important to the club so uh, yeah let's concentrate on the important one so we've played 13 games minus West Ham we've lost one we're doing all right you know what I mean we go there in good form Man course, United yeah. got they lost to Huddersfield last weekend, so they're going to want to come out and respond. And I think, honestly, I think the worst team for them to be playing right now is Tottenham. Mm. I think, you know, based on our good run in the league um, since we lost to Chelsea and the fact that we're, we're some of the players are going to be a little bit scarred from West Ham, I think if, you, if you're a Man United player, you're probably dreading this game more than if you're a Tottenham player, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. And um, Sam, bring it around to you. John makes the says there about the fact that Huddersfield got that fantastic result against Manchester United. It's just going to be interesting, Sam, to see how they're going to set up against us because, you know, there's been certain suggestions in from Ryan Giggs, you know, someone very close to Manchester United, who says that he thinks Mourinho is going to park the bus. But really, a point to them isn't that great because if they are chasing City, they're going to need to keep up with them. From our perspective, how do you think we approach it, Sam? Do we go for it or do we look at that game and say, do you know what? We'll take a point away to Old Trafford because the last couple of seasons, you know, we haven't had great results up there. But before that, you know, we won, we won there back to back, if you remember. I remember, yeah, I would say 100% go for it. Um, don't fear Man United because the thing is, you look at the team Jose Mourinho has built and he's built a physical team to intimidate teams. And something about Spurs is they're not going to be intimidated by anyone, you know, with the likes of Alderweire, Dembele, strong physical players themselves that aren't intimidated by any players, you know. Um, Dembele will play against anyone and not bat an eyelid. So I think that they're not going to have that approach against Spurs because they're not going to be able to do that. And I think you've really got to go for the win because you've got to exploit Man United at a time where they're not doing great. As you said, um, Huddersfield beat them. And you look at their, their fixtures so far this season and their results. And I have to say they've had an easy run of fixtures. I'm going to put it out there. Um, the teams and and you saw that pre-season as soon as the fixtures came out you said oh you know you thought these fixtures really work in Manchester United's favour mm. um, you know they, they drew nil-nil against Liverpool uh, Tottenham beat Liverpool uh, as an emphatic win so I think Tottenham really have the advantage I think um, Man United will be high in spirit after beating Swansea the other night in the in the Cabal Cup 
because actually you look at last season when uh, Jose Mourinho was slated for really going for the cups rather than the league. But at the end of the day, they've now got trophies in their cabinet. But I, I think this is Tottenham's best chance to beat them and I, I really believe they can do it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sam. I do honestly believe, you look at our 11 against their 11, there's no reason why we can't go there and get a decent result. Jace, want to bring it around to you then. So, we seem to, like we said in the last couple of seasons, freeze when we've been playing there, Jace. How is that mentality? How are we going to work with that? Because it's still very much the same kind of squad. So, therefore, how are you anticipating this one's going to play out, Jace? I want to see us put in a, a much improved performance up there because the three years we've been up there under under Pochettino, we've, we've actually been really poor. You know, we lost 3-0 in that first year when it was all over and done with in a... By half time, if I remember rightly, um, then two years ago it was the opening day, wasn't it? We scored an own goal, and I think other than one Ericsson chance, we did nothing in the game. And then last year, let's be fair about it, lost one nil. But other than Victor Wanyama's late header, again it was just a really sterile nothing performance. And so we've, we've kind of had a bit of stage fright there. And when you think of all the good performances and good football we've played, certainly in the last two seasons, it's been really out of character for us to go to Man United. So we've definitely got to improve on that. I want to see us have a real go at them. I think, you know, in a good way, the last couple of weeks has shown that, you know, Mourinho will be scared about us hitting him on the break. So I think, you know, for him, it will be either two double-deckers or four single-deckers. <laughs> and he's just got to work out which which one he wants. But um I fully expect us to put in a, a really strong showing up there and um, I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if we do get the win. But obviously when you're playing Manchester United, the one thing you have to be careful of is, and, and you have to understand is that you're still playing against top quality players as well. So you can dominate the game, but you've got to be really ruthless in it. When you get your chance, you've got to take it because you know they've got players that can score a goal from, from nothing as well. Do you think psychologically, Jace, we showed at Real Madrid we could withstand... The, the pressure of that game itself. Do you think this is now another test of the mental strength of this squad? Because of, like we said, the last couple of seasons, the results haven't gone our way up there. Is this a real chance now again to show that this squad has grown, has matured and can get results on the big stage and big occasions, do you think? Well, I think it depends what you mean by a result up there. Because, you know, if the 15 we've played under Pochettino against the, the fellow top five, we've only won once. But we have picked up draws at Arsenal. We have picked up draws at Manchester City. So, you know, and we see that in Madrid. So I think we all know we're capable of going there and, and getting a result as a draw. What I want to see us do is, is go there and prove we can win at those games. And I think, you know, even if we go there and, and play well and do get a point, I know what John means in the grand scheme of it. I don't think a point up there is necessarily a bad result at all. But I think it, it's time for us to show that we can go and win on one of these games. And I think Manchester United are there a little bit for the taking at the moment. So, you know, I, I, I definitely want to see us have a real go and try and take the three points. And if, if we end up having to settle for a point because, you know, David De Gea has had a fantastic game, then, OK, you have to take that. But what I don't want us to do is is get a point where we, we scrape one after a, an indifferent performance, if you see what I mean. There's, there's different ways of getting a draw, isn't there, in yes, that indeed. respect? But do you think, Jace, very quickly, I'll ask John the same question. Do you think it's going to determine for you who is Man City's closest challenges for the title? No, because no, not necessarily so at all. There's still plenty of time after that, and I, I still think Manchester City will have their their bad run. I think it's important that that everyone stays stays as close to them as possible. I don't think if Manchester United beat us, that that means they're going to finish second, and I don't think it it means that we'll finish second if we win. 
you know, there's, there's nothing to say that either of those sides can't go on and win it yet either. Yeah. Uh, Sam, let's come round to you. Where do you think, Sam, the key battles are on, on the field of play? You know, Eric Dyer, been a lot of speculation. We spoke about him in the first half of the show. John mentions there he's not been in the greatest of form. Would you still be tempted to play him in this one? Um, I think that with Moussa Dembele uh, back from injury, I would personally um, start Dembele. Over Dyer? Um, or yeah. Outside. Okay. Yeah, I'd start. But then again, you know, obviously we're missing Wanyama, and it'll be great when Wanyama's back on the pitch. But I mean, if if Dyer does play, I'm sure he'll put in a positive performance. Um, you know, but at the same time, yeah, uh, on the Man United side, um, obviously they signed Masic, and um, he seems to be doing uh, the same kind of role as you know Dyer does for Spurs. So I think, um, yeah, it could be quite similar. Yeah. John, where do you propose the key battles are in this field of play if we are going to get a result up there? Well, I think, for a start, I think it's important that Dembele does start. And I think, you know, the, the few minutes that he got against West Ham hopefully will mean that he will. I would keep, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd keep Harry Winks in there. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's been superb, the, the games he's played recently, and he don't deserve to be dropped. He's proved that he can handle a big occasion. So I think that midfield battle will be important. And I do feel that, that you know, the balance of <clears throat> being able to carry the ball and being a, a great pass through the ball, you know, that the, the pair of Dembele and Winks will complement each other in, in that respect. And I think that also it all depends, you know, obviously we're not sure yet at this stage about if Kane's going to play, but I yeah. think that if, er if Ericsson has a good game, I think Spurs will win. I think he, he can be, you know, he has, he's been superb as well this season so far and he's he seems to be... If he's on form, we'll hit some goals and hopefully that's what happened on Saturday. Yeah, so John, very quickly, does that mean Sissoko's back on the bench for you? Yeah, yeah, he is for me, yeah. I think he's, listen, he's improved tenfold on last season, but the the standards he set for himself last season were so low that mm. he's still not near starting when everyone's available for me this season. OK, fair enough. Jace, very quickly then, let's get your thoughts on selection for the game. Like John says there, he would have Sissoko on the bench, would you? And also Sonny. Do you think Sonny will be back on the bench after his contribution against West Ham in that first half? I think for us, it's 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 down to how many chances Ali and, and Eriksen can create between them. And I think, you know, Manchester United, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Matic ends up following Eriksen all over the pitch or something like that, a bit like they did with Herrera against um, Hazard last year. And I think that's what they'll do. It'll be Eriksen against Matic. It'll be Herrera against Deli Ali, And then it's... It's up to those those two to win their their individual battle and and create those chances. And I think you know David Agay is a fantastic goalkeeper as well. So you, we've probably got to create three or four really good clear cut chances. And when they come, we've got to be really ruthless and and probably take a couple of them at least because you you do feel that Manchester United will always eventually score at home. Yeah. Okay, James. Well, let's stick with you then. Let's get your prediction then for the big one on Saturday afternoon. I'll what go two one Tottenham. Two one Tottenham. Yeah. Ah, great. Confidence. I love it. I do love it. Um, I was confident last night, mate. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. That's the man that believes in his team. John, <laughs> come on in. Can you follow trend for us on this? What do you think? Yeah, Spurs clean sheet, 1-0 away win. Clean sheet at Old Trafford, 1-0. I'm loving it. Easy, John, easy. who's going to score? Kane. Kane. He's going to start. You know that Potts is he's giving it the mind games yeah, like, yeah. like they all do. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to pop one in for us and we're going to win 1-0. Oh, from your mouth to God's ears, John, I really, really hope you're right. <laughs> um, Sam, come over to you. Give us a prediction then, Mystic Meg. 
<laughs> uh, I'm going to go 2 0 Spurs and I'm going to go Ali and Kane. There you go. I tell you what, let's join it. Let's make it a full house. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 2 1 Spurs and I'm going to say Harry Kane is going to bag a brace. Honestly, what a result that would be up there. A real, real chance to really, you know, show that we can compete. And like we've said all season, the form in the Premier League has been formidable. Yes, we've had a few. You know, iffy results at home, but away, I mean, under Pochettino, Jace coming around to you very quickly, you've got to say our away form since he's taken over. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? The away form under Poch? Without a doubt it is. But like I say, it's now time to win one or two of those those big five away games. And I think that's that's probably the gap between us and of being runners up and going on to win that title. We've we've just got to you know, you're not gonna win all five of those away from home, let's be fair. You're playing quality sides, but you know, I think if if you really want to have a go and, and talk about yourselves as being a title-winning side, I think you've got to certainly win one or two of them and pick up a draw in at least one or two of them as well. So, um, I, I, I Manchester United, as I say, because we've been so poor up there the last three years, I really want to see us go and turn it on on, on Saturday. Yeah, indeed. And Jace, I want to sit you for a very quick second because Guillaume Balaguer's book has just been released. I know you've already started reading it. And we've got him on the show in a very special one, haven't we, coming up? We're looking forward to having him on the show. Yeah, it'd be good to, to hear his, uh, his views as well. I think I've, I've got to about halfway through it because it, it ended up on my door about four o'clock this afternoon. But <laughs> for those who haven't had it yet, there's, there's, in the first half of the book that I've read, there's nowhere near the controversial things to, to worry about that perhaps the serialisation had, had given impressions of. There's a few bits of him calling individual players into the office, but it... It really is a case of I called this player in and showed him a video clip of, of what he's doing right and wrong. And, and and then you just go on to the next sentence in the book. There's there's no big revelations in there about players. So, uh, you know, the thought that it might upset the dressing room or, or the balance of the squad or anything like that. I, certainly in the first half of the book, I'm not too worried about anything like that. That's for sure. Yeah, I had a brief initial read of it myself, the first part of it. I've got to say, guys, if you do get a chance to get it, you won't put it down because it really is. Once you, once you, once you start, you really can't stop. I mean, it's it is fascinating stuff just to hear and read about Pochettino's philosophy, the way he started at Tottenham. I mean, there's some great stories in there. In there, I don't know, if you've been to the part where about the Villa story yet, where that game he went into it with the fear that if he didn't win that, it yeah, may be it a very was, different story. He might not have been yeah, at Tottenham. Those types of things. But it's interesting to see his relationship with Daniel Levy and. Um... You know, one thing I did notice was he says he spends transfer deadline day. He just goes on holiday for a few days. He says, I give Daniel Levy what I want and and it's up to him to deliver. And and if he doesn't manage to do it or, the, you know, the financial constraints are there, then I'm quite happy to work with what I've got when I'm going into that. So, you know, there doesn't seem to be any big, big stress or big arguments about transfer deadline day either. So that, that's a good thing to see, which might upset a few of the Levy haters. <laughs> You can never keep everyone happy. John knows that. John, bless him. He's been one of our... Uh, he's always on. Give us the positive, John. You know, John, you've said it before. How thick are our fans, eh? Mate, I know. I know. Listen, I can understand it. Of course, Listen, yeah, of course. You, the thing is, right, mm. if you say, if you was an alien and you landed on this planet, <laughs> you'd go, what are you doing supporting them? 56 <laughs> years since the league title, 33 years since the European trophy, 26 years since an FA Cup, 10 years since the League Cup. Are you kidding me? But it's, it gets you, mate. You can't help it. Yeah. Listen, I, I would, I, it, you know, it's a, it's a big part of who I am and who we are. You know, people that, people, friends and acquaintances, as, as life goes by, they might forget my name, but I'll tell you now, they won't forget that I support Tottenham. No, I bet they won't. 
I bet they won't. All your dulcet tones, honestly, John. Can I just say, John, it's been a real pleasure having you back on. Hopefully, we're going to get you on, fingers crossed, for maybe Real Madrid, fingers crossed, possibly, next week. Yeah, mate, yeah, that'd be nice. I would just like to say as well to Kev Green, um, I've I've managed to keep Toby from Barnsley away tonight. I, I, I said I said he, he might make an appearance, but no, I think he, I spoke to him earlier and he's been a bit of a knob, so we left him out of it tonight, Kev. <laughs> there you go, John as ever, leaving on a high, and Sam also making your debut tonight. We can't thank you enough. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, I've loved it. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, bless you. It's been a real pleasure of ours, and hopefully we'll get you back on in the near future. That'd be really nice to have you back on. Yeah, for sure. Brilliant, fantastic. Well, guys, going in to a massive game on Saturday, let's hope the team can bounce back. I'm sure they will. And as always, guys, come on, you Spurs. Spurs in full cry here. One, two, three. Sports Social Podcast Network.